My friends, what lays before you is the myriad knowledge of an unfathomable universe. Join our intrepid remembrancers as they explore the heresy as history. From deep within the farthest reaches of the great library of Tiska, we are the Heresy Grad School. So said the War Master in his wisdom. Go forth, my sons, and illuminate them. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Heresy Grad School, where we're covering the scouring of Nostromo. And this is our our section B to our lesson three of uh, our Nostromo coverage. And we're going to get back into some of these log files. So uh, let's take it away. Accessing records. Log file 947 beta. All right. So you guys remember Karn, not like, of course, the cool Karn, uh, essential, like, ad hoc legion master of the 12th legion. Uh, we're talking, again, this creepy crypt planet Karn uh, that is smack in the middle of the Nostromo sector. Not a whole lot of good things going for it. Uh, entire hive cities collapsed in on themselves. A crazy hellish midnight underworld of cannibalistic underground dwellers. It's not great. Uh, not great for anybody there. Uh, sounds kind of like right up Night Lord's Alley. But uh, fun fact, as we delve a little deeper into this, actually not the Night Lords that created this uh, terrifying hellscape. So... Um, <clears throat> We're back here with our rogue trader in his little uh, private military corporation of Solar Auxilia. And as they are delving further and further, uh, trying to come up with this techno arcana that they're assuming somewhere under the ruins here, they're not finding a whole lot of valuable tech salvage. Uh, instead, they're kind of finding evidence of what was going on. Uh, bolt shells, uh, actual fragments of... Legionis Astartes battle plate. Oddly enough, though, it's in a black and red heraldry that's not in any records and it's unknown to the rogue trader that's funding this expedition. So it seems to have been a bunch of space marines different than the night lords. Uh, artifacts in this catastrophe are kind of being over, uh, you know, uncovered. Uh, by the tech adepts as they're clearing these lower caverns. Now, they're finding items of Astartes' war gear that have been, you know, trashed, tossed to the side, and discarded, but they're all in this weird black and red heraldry pattern that nobody has seen before. In the very deepest vaults of these collapsed and imploded hives, they find the remaining data archives. Uh, you know, big giant cogitator matrix, you know, if you can imagine the size of a hive city, imagine the computer and data looms, the size of like, you know, essentially small city complexes in and of themselves just to keep everything running. But um, these vast cogitator matrices are incredibly ancient designs, and unfortunately they've suffered extensive damage. It kind of seems from what they can piece together that the survivors of Karn's fall have 
sort of destroyed the automata that are supposed to have been tending to these data looms and cogitator matrices. Uh, maybe they're trying to silence them, uh, like the actual massive machines that kept these hives running and stored logs from everything. And now they're just more or less completely inert. So that doesn't stop our rogue trader from getting his tech adapts to kind of try and coax the machines back into life. Uh, over a few days of just you know constant tech adept ritual and other chicanery, the solar auxilia, of course, are all the while kind of trying to push back the threat of these horrible like underground mutants that are just hanging out down here they start to piece back together a series of recordings and data entries. Now, not a whole lot of technical information about what's going on. Definitely not any of the valuable tech salvage they were hoping to recover. Unfortunately, no uh, STCs hidden under here. However, it does try to give them some sort of insight into what happened here on Cairn. Uh, as it seemed, the world was not just raised to the ground. This was a specific punishment that was meted out by the Legionis Astartes force that destroyed Cairn in the first place. So its armies were more or less completely annihilated, and instead of just leaving it at that, the population was herded into the depths of the hive cities before they were intentionally collapsed and sealed on top of them. Now, this mirrors uh, pretty identically some of the descriptions of the dark compliance inflicted by the Sons of Horus when they were rolling back through on Great Crusade to Electric Boogaloo. And as they were trying to take over again and pull worlds, you know, back under the sway of Horus, uh, these are pretty much the exact same tactics they used here. However, Cairn, a little unique here, already sworn in service to the War Master, so probably not the Night Lords. Combine this with the weird heraldry and war gear that they're finding that they have not seen before, probably not who initiated this attack in the first place. So, guys, what are we thinking? Yeah, Jason, this is, I think punishment is a great word because um, this world was sworn to the War Master and clearly um, the retribution that was uh, wrought on it was uh, really uh, severe. Almost the same kind of tactics we see from, you know, the uh, traitor Astartes and uh, Horus's forces. So we're back on the trail of this uh, mysterious Legionis Astartes force, right? You know, this is kind of we're gonna we're gonna piece together the clues and and see if we can you know figure out who these are, um, who these guys are, and uh, we're back in the the depths of Cairn, right? This is back to the classic sci-fi horror, you know, zombies lurking around every corner, and we've got our you know veteran Solar Auxilia guys finally accessing some databases that are corrupted and, um, you know, trying to piece together what happened, you know, in the final days of Cairn. And what they find is uh, 
really harsh tactics, right? I mean, whoever did this was, you know, had no more mercy, no quarter. Um, the same type of uh, vengeance that was, uh, I guess, meted out on loyalist worlds was was sort of returned in kind here. So no mercy for uh, the poor inhabitants of Cairn. And uh, we're starting to see the the sort of the nature of um, this Legionis Astartes force that is operating sort of outside the, the bounds. So it's really cool how it's all coming together. As we talk about it now, kind of thinking about it, it's almost an inverse of the Night Lord's tactics, which I thought kind of significant because we're in Nostromo. So the Night Lord's, would you, you know, drop onto a planet and publicly say execute the ruling governor and maybe his entire family to, you know, kind of take the world over, infrastructure, army, everything else intact? These guys tend to go about it like almost the exact opposite, right? Like they've not only annihilated the armies, but have completely, like, essentially depopulated the entire planet. You know. Oh yeah, at this point, I'm uh, I'm kind of sure it is. They they do take great lengths though to sort of cover their trail, right? They don't leave anything behind to sort of suggest um, who did this. So unlike the Night Lords, you know, when they commit their atrocities and the terror squads go down, like you know it's the night lords that did this right they'll leave the their banner sort of flying but um but these guys are very careful to sort of cover their trail um so i think that is that is interesting that they will sort of operate and and uh commit uh themselves to these types of engagements but then are very careful to clean everything up That is a good point. Uh, the Night Lords are definitely not shy about uh, cleaning up behind themselves. Accessing records. Log file 948-alpha. Beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> All right. Log file 948-alpha. All right. This is another cool little box out, similar to one of the quote-unquote, you know, vid feed captures we saw earlier on in the series. But this is the best look we've gotten at one of these uh, mystery legionnaires. So, a couple of things to note. Mark II armor, uh, shown, you know, uh, this is the kind of armor, you know, used very early on in the Great Crusade. Probably not a whole lot of it hanging around anymore. So it's kind of regulated to much older veterans, uh, particularly Baroque variations of the Mark II battleplate, in fact. So uh, the heraldry here, unlike any a rogue trader and our investigators have seen before, very deep black, the pauldrons and helms are daubed in dull red. So the Mark II armor segmented plates also have inscriptions on them. Now, these aren't symbols that are in any sort of pattern to denote, say, like a legion rank 
titles, honors, anything like that. They seem almost random, sort of like the tribal runes you'd find on like world leaders, sons of Horus. A lot of them also seem to bear a, uh, you know, kind of primitive version of the eagle and lightning bolts of the emperor. Now, originally, of course, this was an honor just reserved for Terrans who fought in during the Unification Wars. So a pretty big deal now showing up on some of these um, mysterious legionnaires that we're trying to get to the bottom of. Uh, very often considered a sign of loyalist allegiance, of course. So uh, in the other direction, though, you've also got trophies of fallen enemies. So we're talking fragments of weapons, skulls, claws uh, from Xenos uh, creatures. A lot of them, again, uh, something our investigators have never seen before. Uh, also sort of an odd little affectation, a lot of them carry small charms carved from green stone. Uh, they say sort of similar to Terran Jade. So each of these warriors also display a strange symbol on the pauldron that would normally boast the symbol of one of the legions. So it's a circle ringed by jagged claws. So that ash white on a field of red matches the color of dried blood, allegedly kind of an uh, ominous and sinister emblem. So we don't have any real clue to their loyalty, sort of. Um, we can kind of piece together a few things. They're attacking traitor homeworlds. They display symbols of the original unification war allegiance to the emperor. Uh, but these were the warriors that plundered Cairn. Um, possibly for information in the, those digital archives that were destroyed for a number of STC templates. Uh, also things like construction matrices and other sorts of you know, technological salvage that were once held on by the rulers of Cairn, but are now, you know, very noticeably missing from the data matrices in uh, those very deep caverns. So uh, the world itself was basically annihilated and stripped clean of anything valuable before its attackers just kind of disappeared into you know, the uh, galaxy-wide war going on. So it's a very good cover for them to slip in, annihilate what's basically... Karen is basically unimportant, so far as it goes, strategically speaking. Eliminate the planet's defenses and strip it clean of anything valuable. And what's interesting, too, is our documentarian here starts to wonder like how many other worlds within the Nostromo sector kind of fall prey to similar attacks. Uh, he posits here that maybe these are forces just bent on their own gain and sort of piecing together, you know, small individual empires, uh, very similar to how during like the Legion Wars before the first couple of Black Crusades come out of the Eye of Terror, uh, how once after the scouring, they're driven into the Eye of Terror, the nine traitor legions kind of section off tiny kingdoms for themselves before uh, Abaddon or, say, um, Thagus Derevek or other large warlords start compiling them in sort of that old ancient, um, you know, join us or die methodology uh, to build like a much larger cohesive force. 
So at this point, uh, it's posited that if this is what's happening to some of the planets in the Nostromo sector, that it's not going to be much of a success to go back through it because there don't seem to be a lot of night lords still here. And two, there's not a whole lot valuable that seems like it hasn't already been stripped, which is pretty significant considering it's this sort of you know scorched earth policy that doesn't just hurt you know, the enemy itself, it also kind of causes problems for those coming in behind. So, guys, what are we thinking here? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this in this uh, log file because <clears throat> if these guys are wearing, you know, the Raptor Imperialis, which is really reserved for um, veterans of the Unification Wars, um, you know, the Raptor Imperialis was the banner of the Thunder Warriors. Um, it, it really disappears largely by uh, the the time of the Horus Heresy. I mean, we're talking 200 years plus into, you know, the Great Crusade, um, the outbreak of the Horus Heresy. So if these guys are, are Terran, uh, which we've sort of posited and assumed that they're Terran veterans, by and large, uh, veterans of the, of the Unification Wars, which means they've been operating... Uh, for for close to 200 years. And if they've been out in the dark, you know, the eastern fringes, who knows what they've come in contact with. And I think we see some sort of evidence of that in the Xenos artifacts that they wear, the Xenos clothes. And so we can we can assume these guys are, are pretty badass, right? They've probably rolled back um, some Xenos incursions during the Great Crusade. Um, they've definitely been there and done that, you know, um, is sort of the feel that I get. I think one thing that's really interesting, Jason, is, you know, you start to to wonder about these these runes, right? Where do they come from? And we know that Horus um, had warrior lodges spread throughout the legions very early on. Um, the warrior lodges were a way that, you know, Horus could sort of infiltrate and manipulate his brothers, the, the Primarchs. Um, and he did that really almost through the, the Terran veterans, because Horus was, you know, he was, he was there. He was the second Primarch found. Um, or was he the first Primarch? He was the first Primarch found. Um, and so he's, you know, he's sort of always been there. And I wonder if some of these runes, which, you know, the rogue trader sort of like openly wonders about, right? Because um, they look kind of like Chthonian runes. I wonder if they're from maybe a warrior lodge. We know that um, Horus targeted the Terrans specifically, or Horus's agents targeted the Terrans um, specifically in the yeah, um, and they fully the White Scars too, right? So. Is that correct? Yeah, it was kind of interesting there because a lot of the Terran veterans in some of the other original legions, like a Garrow, um, in you know the original four traitor legions, ended up siding with the emperor, you know, because they were more used to they'd been around so long they had actually fought like with the emperor with the Imperium longer than they'd fought with some of their primarchs. 
So I always thought it was really fascinating, the shift between uh, Terran and uh, later inductees from whatever their cradle world was. But it's kind of off topic, but... Yeah, that, but that's definitely, I think, a line in the sand um, for a lot of the Legionis Astartes. I think when you were sort of inducted into the Legion, you know, and then obviously the Primarch themselves, their influence. Um, I think the Terrans that um, didn't go along with, you know, sort of Horus's rebellion probably didn't do that more because they'd already been ostracized, right? They'd already been sort of... Um, I guess, removed from their gene father. And maybe they didn't have that affiliation because they had operated so far, so long without having a Primarch. Um, so I think that's definitely a line in the sand that's important when we, we think about who these guys are. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, this is, they're just so badass. And, uh, you know, I mean, you talk about veterans of the Great Crusade. I mean, there was no mercy. There was no quarter given um, when they were rolling back, uh, especially Xenos empires, you know. Um, it was, there was no quarter. It was extermination. Um, it was extinction protocol. And so if these guys have really been operating out there in the dark for 200 plus years, uh, it, it, their tactics sort of start to make sense. Um, you know, these guys are, uh, <laughs> they just give no fucks, right? So and, I think, uh, I, mean, I think to, that's pretty cool. To I mean, go that's sort of where we are right they've now. They've been essentially operating alone for 200 plus years. We have the, the rogue trader talk about how, or hypothesize really that maybe even scouring the rest of these planets is just not going to be worth it. I mean, uh, we had earlier in our coverage when they were checking out a, it was the moon base, right? And essentially all of the, it, all of the important tech had been just completely removed or, or raided or stolen. And so, I mean, these guys are both vicious and scavengers at the same time. Yeah, Pat, you're 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 spot on because I mean, in log file, I guess nine fifty alpha, we start to see the rogue traders' motives come back in, right? I mean, the rogue trader is always going to be profit driven, um, so he's trying to weigh the odds right now. He's like, look, man, um, if these right. guys are really out there in the dark, number one, I don't want to run into them, you know? I don't fucking know what I don't know whose side they're on if they're on anybody's side, and number two, I don't know if it's worth it for for me to keep going out into the dark right you know the ghoul stars the eastern fringe um and trying to either you know reestablish contact or you know find anything valuable because he's like look if these worlds are being stripped clean by some unknown unseen force um i have to really weigh my options here and this is this is classic road trade rogue trader right because he's like do i keep going you know, roll the dice and risk it, or do I turn around and go home, you know, or go back and, you know, make some some money elsewhere, 
So I think that's, uh, I, I love the way they sort of unravel this story because it's, we've got some good protagonists, right? We had the, the sort of the blood angels um, captain who we'll run into again, um, spoiler. And, uh, and we've got this rogue trader now. So we start to start to see how the different motives um, for going back and establishing contact during the scouring uh, operate, which I, I love this, man. I mean, this is so good to me. I know we spent a lot of time on, on Nostromo. Um, we spent a lot of time putting it together. Uh, Thank you. Pat has done an amazing job of, of editing and production, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just so good. I mean, this is, to me, this is, this is the peak of, of the Horus Heresy, uh, book series. And as much we do, I mean, the text brings it alive, but even like just the little, like the picked feed that we got to look at on, um, trying to remember the page number, but then also this, this pull out of like the actual Marine and Mark two, with the log file nine four eight alpha, yeah, it's it is a tragedy that Forge World never produced a transfer um, a transfer series for these guys because I mean we're gonna get I mean, into uh, them. They are, are we allowed to talk so about gorgeous. Um, I want to okay. see some on the table. Oh, I can talk about them. Thank you. Well, if you guys haven't yeah, already you pieced it together, you can talk from, about them. If you have book six, um, but there's. On the pick screen or pick feed that we talked about in episode two. And then if you piece it together with the full color plate of the Marine and Mark II that we're talking about now, um, it's the Ashen Claw. And they're, I'm trying to think if their gene seed is actually solidified. Like, I think they're initially black shields, but mostly Raven Guard. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. Yeah, I think they started out as, uh, you know, Korax had That's this right. weird, unexplicable uh, mad on for Terrans in his legion. So when he couldn't get them all killed by Xenos, uh, he sent the rest of them out towards the Ghoul Stars. Uh, and he's, uh, definitely. Like legitimate, which uh, has a potential tie into the Kakaranons if anyone else plays Space Sharks. But yeah, no, it's it's cool to see like this origin of of essentially like this nomadic group of Marines. Um, Yeah, no, it's just so cool. And yes, Forge World needs to make transfers. It would be terrific. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into some some more of uh I think the background and the motivations for uh the Ashen Claw, right? And uh because they are, I mean, as Jason said, they're you know, they're a nomad fleet now, and they've been they've been they've been ostracized by their gene father and um they've been and sort of at least uh, second class citizens you know war, they do have a so that would be m41 they do have like a solidified hold like a a homeworld 
so there so i'm i'm assuming as of right now like where we are in the book in this this scouring portion they're still nomadic that they don't necessarily have a um a home yet but who knows we may discover that later on there's a lot to come guys and uh you know we have some suggestions for further reading um in the syllabus i don't know if we've posted that but if you guys follow us on Patreon, um, I'll make sure I get that syllabus up there. We have a lot of, there's a lot of background lore that you can dig into um, mm-hmm. for these guys. And uh, yeah, the Kakaradon series for sure uh, is is critical to, uh, right. to sort of piecing the puzzle together. I think that together. is it for us. So uh, we hope you all have enjoyed this, this lesson of uh, the Scouring Nostromo. And we'll see you next time. Now fuck off, Craig. <laughs>